Good morning. Welcome to the virtual version of Mayflower's Sunday morning worship service. Here at Mayflower, we believe that faith is a journey, God is good, Jesus saves, and the Spirit leads us toward faith, hope, and love as we honor the dignity of all God's children. Well, we've made it to the last Sunday in July. We began this month introducing a new interim pastoral team. I am Reverend Ruth Bell Olson, and along with Reverend Dr. Jonathan White, we are thrilled to be serving in this capacity. As we look forward to August, we are excited about a popsicle drive-by for our youngest Mayflower folks on the 4th, a Mayflower family local mission trip in partnership with New City Kids on the 13th and 15th, and some fabulous guest musicians from the Grand Rapids Symphony who will be joining us for worship and for special mini-concerts you will find on our social media pages and our YouTube channel. Did you know we have a YouTube channel? If you Google Mayflower Congregational Church Grand Rapids YouTube, it will, you will be directed to our YouTube channel, and there you can find many videos, including our virtual worship service, children's videos provided by our faith formation team, and several outstanding music videos. And just as a reminder, the council has closed the church building and access is limited to essential employees only. And finally, we continue to mourn the passing of Thora White and E.L. Shireling. And please remember their families in your prayers. Now, let us prepare ourselves for worship. And now for our call to worship. If you are following our order of worship with the bulletin that was emailed to you, please feel free to join me responsibly by reading aloud the words printed in bold. God of light, we seek you today. You are the light of the world. 
You have the power to dispel darkness. We need not be overcome by it. Let our hearts shine with your brilliance. Let our hearts be overcome with worship. Now and forever, come, let us worship.
Let us now join our hearts in one spirit for our opening prayer. Dear Lord, you are our light and our salvation. Whom shall we fear? No one. You are the stronghold in our lives. Of whom shall we be afraid? No one. We can be confident of this. We will see your goodness in the land of the living. Hallelujah. Amen. Our first scripture reading this morning comes from the Psalms, Psalm 139, verses 1 through 12. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, You are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. i 
Our second scripture reading is found in the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy One, open our ears that we may hear, our eyes that we may see, our minds that we may think and critically analyze, our hearts that we may be filled with compassion, and our hands so that when we leave this place, we leave in service. In the name of the Christ, amen. Carl Jung, the Swiss psychologist, talked about a particular case that he had uh, in his papers with a woman who was having a recurring dream. The woman was going through the countryside. Everything was peaceful. She was very happy. Everything was light and beautiful, but there was a lake in front of her. The lake was deep. It was dark. It was foreboding. And although she never looked into that lake, she told Dr. Jung, I fear it. Jung talked and talked to her and told her she had to go to the lake. Why? Why, she said. Because the lake is a part of you. You are not simply light. The depth of your personality is also in the darkness of the lake. You are light and darkness. 
Friedrich Nietzsche in Also Sprach Zarathustra, Thus Spoke Zarathustra, wrote of a man who sat on a mountain and searched for enlightenment. He found that enlightenment, so he believed, by examining himself and the meaning of life and coming to the conclusion that life was only what could be constructed in the human mind. Life was pain. Life was suffering. We were told to be slaves. We followed a religion, especially Judaism and Christianity, which made us slaves. And the only way to overcome that was to become the Superman. Zarathustra came down from the mountain. He ran into a priest. He asked the priest what he was doing. The priest said, I am trying to follow God's will. Zarathustra thought to himself, I did not have the heart to tell him. You're trying to do God's will. God is dead. Nietzsche looked in darkness and found only the superman. No light. Both a life that envisions only light and a life that envisions only darkness present a false self. The false self is not who we are. The false self is what we project. The false self is what we think we would like to be. But the true self is an inner self. The true self combines all parts of our personality. The true self, the mystery, the true self is what God knows us to be. One of the prayers I love is to say, God, you know us for the people we long to be. But we focus on darkness. In my academic career studying counterterrorism and military history, I understand darkness. And I understand our fascination with it. In fact, psychologists tell us that we spend about two-thirds of our research time focusing on darkness and not the light. In an article in Scientific American, Scott Kaufman examined research from Delroy Polhouse and Kevin Williams as they searched for darkness. They built a psychological model and tried to find the traits that caused people to follow the darkness, that caused crime, that caused terrorism, that caused war calls violence. And in the course of their research, 
using a scientific sample, they discovered what they called the dark triad of personality. This triad was composed of narcissism, the complete worship of oneself. It was also composed of something they called Machiavellianism, the willingness to use others for our own ends. And finally, the last part of the triad was psychopathy, the darkness and the desire to be evil. Now, fortunately, they found out that there were few psychopaths among us. In fact, moving to the field or the the point of psychopathy uh, on the uh, continuum, they found that people usually pulled back. Now, the dark side had some advantages. It gave us ambition. It gave us the desire to accomplish goals. It gave us drive. But it also resulted in all of those bad traits of humanity. Well, Kaufman in 2018 looked at this model and he applied it, not looking at the dark side, but looking at the positive traits of humanity. And he found that if there is a dark triad, there's also a light triad. The light triad, as he took the variables and saw where they clustered, the light triad focuses not on Machiavellianism, but on Kantianism. Immanuel Kant. Kant, the philosopher from Prussia, who said two things always amazed him. The starry sky above him and the moral light that was in him. Kantianism, the desire to serve others the desire to be altruistic. A second part of the triad was humanism. That is, honoring the dignity of an individual. And the last part that Kaufman found was a desire to have faith in the goodness of humanity. The good news about his research, where the dark triad had variables cluster below a mean, far more variables clustered above the mean on the light triad. We do have a desire to be good. But with that desire to be good, we also have darkness. On a normal Sunday when our congregation would be full, we would be together, we would be trying to present our Sunday selves to people, that part that shines. And we try to hide the darkness. But that's a false self. The true self, the part that God knows, contains parts of the dark triad and of the light triad. Richard Rohr says there's something good about that. 
what does he say? He said the good news is that God accepts both parts of our personality. God accepts us as we are. As we listen to the psalmist words this morning, it's such an uplifting psalm because the psalmist writes, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I rise up and when I lie down. You know my inward thoughts. Before a word is on my lips, you know what I'm going to say. You hem me in before and behind. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. It's the mystery and the knowledge of God. And even if we want to let the darkness overtake us, even if we try to make our bed in the land of Sheol, the land of death, even there God's light shines on us. For darkness is as light to God. Biblically speaking, Father Roar is right. God accepts us as we are, just as I am, without one plea. One of the most theologically astute books in the New Testament is Paul's letter to the Romans. The first eight chapters present a very complicated theological argument. The first seven verses of chapter 1 are a sermon in and of themselves. And then Paul moves into his theological argument. He argues that to be accepted by God, we must follow the law. And God has given humanity a gift. God has given the law. And the law tells all of us how we are to behave. If we behave that way, then we are saved. Then Paul introduces a paradox. The paradox is light and darkness. No one can follow the law. It's too hard. It's too difficult. Oh, Martin Luther understood that when he was in confession one day to his confessor, Johann Staupitz, he started confessing sins and lamenting the fact that he could never go to heaven. And Staupitz stopped the confession and said, Martin, don't you trust in God? Well, yes, I trust in God, but look, he's given us the law and nobody can, nobody can live up to it. Staupitz said, Martin, don't you love God? Luther stopped and said, no. He's given us an impossible task. I can't measure up to God's standards. 
Fortunately, Luther would continue studying the book of Romans. Because as Paul introduces this paradox, that we have the law and no one can live up to that law, Paul introduces a solution. I long to do the things that are right, but I don't do them, Paul says. I am a helpless creature like all of creation, like the entire cosmos. I long for salvation, and I can't achieve it. Then Paul comes to the answer. God's love for God's creation. God's love for humanity. What humans can't do, God did. God gave us Christ. The Christ that permeates the cosmos the Christ that consumed Jesus, the Christ that burns in us, that longs for union with God. That Christ is salvation. Well, well, shall we sin, Paul said? No, no, no. We want to try to aspire to live that good life, to follow the law to do the good things, to to live in the light triad. We can't attain it, but that's what our goal is. And we can rest assured that the darkness that is within us is forgiven. And then Paul comes at the conclusion of this argument in the 8th chapter at the 31st verse. What shall we say about these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. It's written that we're being led like sheep to the slaughter. No, Paul says, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For there is nothing on heaven, on earth, in light, in darkness, nothing in all creation that can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, yes. We're made of light and darkness. And probably like you, I really want to ignore my dark side. And probably like you, sometimes I put down the newspaper or switch off the news because I can't take any more darkness. And many times in my academic career, I close the book or the research article or my own research and began weeping and began praying because the darkness is there. But the good news, God knows the darkness is there. God knows when we rise up and when we sit down. 
God knows that even when we say, let the darkness consume me, God will be there. You can almost hear the words, don't you know how much I love you? Don't you know how much you are loved? I embrace you for what you are. And so with Paul, we can rejoice, realizing that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. In the name of God the Creator, God the Christ, and God the Abiding Spirit. Amen. When Jonathan told me he would be preaching on lightness and darkness, what came to mind was this anthem with these wonderful, familiar words written by Z. Randall Stroop, one of the most active choral conductors and composers living today. And he says this text is so impactful that he wrote a paragraph that should be read every time this piece is performed. So I read, The Holocaust is a stunning reminder of the tragic results of prejudice and hate toward other people. But it is also a reminder that hope held firm will eventually reign victorious over the greatest of odds. The following words were inscribed on the walls of a cellar in Cologne, Germany, where Jews were hiding from the Nazis during World War II. Hope was all they had to hold on to. Hope was their only bridge to a brighter tomorrow. And so I invite you, as you listen to this anthem, to live these words, to breathe these words of hope written by people not so long ago. Words that remind us of prejudice and hate still alive today. Darkness and light. The ministry of Mayflower depends on your generosity and faithfulness. As we proceed with our call to offering, please know that you are welcome to give online via our website. You can give by text using the number 616-344-6255, or you can always mail a gift to the church. Additionally, we have a locked mailbox located under the portico. I recently heard from a member that every week their family drives to the church to place their offering in this special mailbox. This is their way to visit the church property and to engage the act of worship of giving. Perhaps you too have found this meaningful. Thank you for your steadfastness and your continued giving.
Holy Lord, creator and sustainer, thank you for providing for us individually and as a church family. We trust you to care for us and lead us. May these gifts and offerings be used to bring you glory, honor, and praise. Amen. Let us now pray together our congregational prayer. God of light, thank you for loving us and accepting us so completely. The darkness in us and around us, it can threaten to overtake us. Yet you show us another way. You show us a radical embrace, a way of non-judgment, and a path of grace. Thank you. Help us to receive this well, and help us to extend this kind of compassion and understanding to those around us. May we be people of love. May we shine with the light of your goodness and mercy. Lord, this week has challenged us There are many ways in which the world around us does not feel safe. We are worried. We are stressed. The global pandemic is not better. The world is hurting. The decisions of leaders and those who oppose them fill our hearts and minds with questions. What is going to happen? Where will we be weeks, months, and years from now? We have questions about jobs, questions about school, health, safety, our future plans. It can often feel like the darkness is winning, but we know it's not. Light invades darkness and is not overcome by it. Praise God. If we truly believe this, help us to live it. We earnestly pray for your way. We pray for peace. We pray for comfort. We pray for mental, physical, and spiritual health. And we pray for joy. In the silence, Lord, replace our fear and concern with the light of joy. Oh. 
Lord, every week a prayer chain is circulated to those in our church who are committed to prayer. This list is long and includes both prayers of joy and ones of concern. We lift up those names and details to you. For those who have experienced wonderful things, we give you praise and honor. For those who have surgeries, treatments, are victims of violence or misunderstandings, those who have injuries and those who struggle, Lord, hear our prayers for the people in our community who are undergoing great strain and trial. Bring comfort, peace, resolution, and health. And for those who grieve, Lord, be with them in their pain. Help us to be a community who supports those who need support and grants space for those who need space. Help us to discern the difference. We also acknowledge this morning the many, many prayers weighing heavy on the hearts of our community that are not on our prayer list. Those who suffer in silence. Those who face questions of all kinds. Invade these dark crevices and bring your light. May your love project like beams of light. For we know that nothing can separate us from your love. May this reality overwhelm us in the best possible sense. Lord, in the silence, let us be overwhelmed by your tremendous love. Holy One, we admit that sometimes we don't know how to pray. The words elude us. We are distracted. And in this space, we are grateful for the words you taught as a guide for how we can pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
whether you're on top of the world or the world is on top of you remember this the light that shines in the darkness the light that keeps shining in the darkness the light that the darkness cannot overtake is the light in you Christ sets the world. Christ sets creation. Christ sets you in triumph over a dark triad. So go in peace, go in love, and go in light. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen.